0: This is Michael McGalley. Welcome to The Age of Independence, the podcast from Indie.biz. I hope that everyone's doing well and that you and your loved ones are safe and healthy in this difficult time. Um, I also hope that you are finding time to do things with your families and with the people that you care about uh, while you shelter in place together. I know that uh, it is... uh, it's been a little bit difficult, but also a little bit uh, nice to spend so much time with my family, and uh, so I hope you're all doing well. I know that for a lot of us um, running our own businesses or being self-employed, uh, we have spent time this week looking at the CARES Act, which, uh, which, which passed into law last Friday and uh, has a number of... Um, uh, pieces that uh, relate directly to small businesses and independent business owners. Um, there is about $377 billion of relief for small businesses, and uh, it can be a little bit confusing to sort through what it is and what it does. And our guest today is Katie Vletstra-Wohnenberg, Wonenberg, who is an expert in all issues public policy. She is the vice president for government relations and public affairs at the National Association for the Self-Employed, NACE. She's also a business owner herself. She's a founder and one of the principals of Public-Private Strategies, which is a DC-based company that helps create policy in healthcare, retirement, environment, tax reform, and issues relating to uh, small business. Um, So they have been uh, really very involved, I think, in the, uh, the, the, the government response to COVID. And there are a lot of things in terms of the inclusion of the smallest businesses, and particularly those of us who are independent contractors, right? So if you are a uh, 1099, if you get 1099 forms from uh, from various clients and uh, you don't have a, an official business, you don't have an LLC, but you operate as a sole proprietor, then uh, organizations like NACE, um, um, which... Uh, help the, uh, the self-employed um, really get recognition um, are, are, are critical now, and uh, that has paid off, I think, in two ways that we'll talk about in the conversation. So um, without further ado, um, let's get into it. Katie, thank you so much for being here. I was really excited to connect with you. And, you know, I know that in your work with the National Association for the Self-Employed, and then also with Public-Private Strategies, you have a deep knowledge and expertise on kind of what our smallest business is, what the the self-employed and and the smallest part of the the small business economy is. So if you could just tell us a little bit about, you know, you and your work and what you you do to start off.
1: Yeah. Well, first, thanks for having me on. I, I know In this challenging time, I think information is power. And so I appreciate the opportunity to come in and talk a little bit about the state of play as it relates to small businesses. And and to your earlier or your intro comment, you know, I've had the opportunity to work in the small business space. And in fact, the smallest of small businesses is self-employed for over a decade. And I keep on reminding people uh, a business of one is still a business. And so, you know, it, it is, it it's just really challenging. I think that, you know, I've experienced, you know, the 09 crisis as a professional working on small business issues. And, you know, that was, it was just different, you know, like the economy, you know, faltering is very different than when your economy completely stops. You know, you have to leverage different tools and mechanisms to support. And I think, unfortunately, the biggest uh, variable to this current crisis that no one can tell us is how long it's going to last. And so that really, throws, I think, a lot of the most, the smallest of businesses in a really challenging spot. And even, you know, larger small businesses or businesses in general, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know when you're going to be able to open your operations. And in fact, I've used a framing company that's based out of Connecticut. And, you know, they closed and they reopened. And then today they announced they're closing. And so I think that there's a lot of businesses who really are trying to be as flexible as possible, but recognize that in a public health crisis, that sometimes operating their business isn't the safest thing to do, even though they know how important it is and are trying to do their best to keep their employees employed and do their part to uh, maybe stave off the worst of the economic impact. So I'm happy to talk a little bit about what's happening in Washington, how small businesses are responding uh, to those initiatives, but also talk a little bit about the future and what we need to be thinking about as Congress rolls Potentially a fourth, fifth, and sixth stimulus, and then you know if if you want to entertain it, how I think the small business uh, community as part of the private sector can really play a role and and what I think we're coining you know reimagining main Street.
0: Can you give a, a little bit of a sense of who are the self-employed and what's the difference between being self-employed and being a small business owner? because I think yeah. you know in terms of the sheer numbers it's it's always illuminating for people to understand what the economy looks mm-hmm. like at that level.
1: Yes. So so that's actually, the numbers are an interesting question because one of the biggest challenges that we've had is that, you know, the federal government is the biggest collector of data. And in my estimation is always about 20 years behind in that Mm -hmm. data collection, but roughly from IRS filings and other business documentations, there are roughly 27 million self-employed Americans. There's another big part of the population That is your your gig workers, your shoppers, your deliverers, your Uber drivers, your Lyft drivers, those types of things. And those rough estimates are about 6 million people are participating in the gig economy. So you're really looking at 30 plus million people in in one way or another, or are are self-employed or have self-employment as a a revenue income. Mm -hmm. Some of the challenges, especially with the gig numbers, is that you know, there is a possibility that they're actually fully employed or that they're independent contractors in another way. So I think it's safe. We can say there's about 30 million people, if not more, but it's, it's, it's hard to determine who is a traditional self-employed and I'm using air quotes that no one can see, but you know, someone who is started a business and is maybe a graphic designer is a doctor. Uh, Most, you know, most health uh, doctor practices are actually the doctors are individual self-employed and they make up the practice accountants, attorneys. So, so those are the people that you might deem as traditional self-employed. And then you have a whole uh, growing part of our economy where people are independent contractors. So, you know, they may have established a business or not, and then they have multiple clients that feed into their business. And then you do have this emerging kind of you know, as I call it, the side hustle economy, which has always existed, um, but I think it's becoming more formal as we're seeing the, the ride-sharing apps, you know, the task rabbits of the world, you know, as you're seeing Grubhub delivery, you know, there's this whole other economy that's starting to grow that are either supplementing full income or are supplementing in addition to full income.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's a huge, huge part of the economy. <laughs> Uh, and and changing and growing in ways as technology oh. shifts the way that wor- that work is working, right? So all of the, you know, I mean, so many of the people that I work with on a regular basis are ten ninety nines. They have you know ten ninety nines with several different businesses, and those are their clients. And whether or not they're an LLC, they are still a business owner.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the things that's been really challenging over the last couple of years, primarily with this explosion of of the more formalized side hustle that was always a part of our economy. You talk to, you know, the U.S. Black Chamber of Commerce, they're they're like, hey, listen, we we embedded the side hustle. This has been happening. Mm -hmm. This has been, you know, someone who's owned a beauty salon has always had clients on the side who's doing things. You know, the person who's had you know, the, the cleaning company has always been clean houses on the side. So, you know, it's always been existing. But I think the challenge has been that unfortunately, our laws and our lawmakers are very, I would say, uncomfortable with how that then nets out as you're talking about public policy. So you're seeing it, ha- you're, you're seeing some very interesting things like California with their legislation last year, that's really trying to in my opinion, make gig workers work by employees. And that's not necessarily how the system is being set up and it's not necessarily how it's going to be able to evolve. But, you know, there are challenges because, you know, in your case, you know, we're, we all know people who have made the choice to be 1099 or independent contractors, but we also have heard the stories of companies that have, you know, move their workforce from employees to independent contractors, you know, for a whole host of reasons and usually cost savings. And so it's challenging because I think there is, I think it's maybe a a generational divide about like how people perceive work and how they want to work and what they think the benefits that should come from working. And then I think you have a a very, and and this is not generational. I think you have a whole swath of the workforce that is just very interested about innovating and how they do work and, why they work, and so it's just. I think there's some tension happening here.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that one of the things about about that is that it makes. I mean, people who are independent are vulnerable to this kind of economic shock, but then the ways in which they're vulnerable are diverse, as diverse as, as 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 they are, right? So, could you talk a little bit about that vulnerability and why it is such a challenge when policymakers are looking at, you know, something like this? What are we calling it? It's not a bailout. It's a Recovery Uh, stimulus, recovery
1: program, recovery recovery program. (laughs) program. So I think that there actually needs to be acknowledgement that, regardless of where you're working, everyone's very vulnerable. I think the statistics are out there. I think that there some people will debate if it's four or six hundred dollars, but basically, a huge majority of Americans cannot afford a a a fiscal crisis anywhere between four and six hundred dollars. So already we're dealing with an incredibly challenging situation where you know, families across the spectrum are, are very vulnerable. And then you take this population of people. And if you want to just, you know, the smallest of small business owners who are most likely very dependent on another business supporting them. So as soon as uh, you can have diverse clients, you can be diversified up to the wazoo of multiple income streams. But what is happening now is you're just seeing the domino effect. You know, in some cases, I think businesses are trying to, You know, just cut wages 50% to try to maintain that. In some cases, they're cutting their independent contractors first before they cut their employees. And so you can be as prepared as you would like to be. But I think what we're seeing is that we are all so grossly unprepared for what is happening in a global pandemic that has literally shut down our global economy. And so I think, you know, the government, you know, ironically, in some ways is really trying to step in, but I don't think that they have their handle on the magnitude of how this is going to impact primarily that that self-employed independent contractor population. Now, I will say for the self-employed and independent contractors to be included in the recovery programs that have been put out thus far is a huge win, because mm-hmm. previously they're kind of like the unrecognized part of our economy, even though They're a massive part of it. They're a massive part of the small business overall community. They have actually traditionally been completely excluded from accessing programs, including unemployment insurance. So we're in a different spot or a different place in that recognition. So let's take that as a win. But there's always the but of, you know, $350 billion to support all small businesses is just not going to be enough. And I think Mm -hmm. everyone is very concerned that, you know, the treasury and SBA announced basically two different dates that people can apply for the payment protection program loan. And that by the time, you know, you get to April 10th, the money will be gone and people are really going to be desperate to figure out what to do. And so I think that desperation of course does not lead to good things, but um, at the end of the day, I just, you know, yeah. We, we got to take it and we got to work towards some solutions.
0: Right. So that's the two different dates of this Friday small businesses and and they're really saying specifically small businesses who have an ex, who have a, an existing relationship with a 7a lender, right? And those 7a yeah. loans, those SBA loans are, are on average almost a half a million dollars. So yeah. okay. these are not microloans even though it is the small business administration, right? These are these are fairly large businesses because SBA is five hundred and less, except in some cases yeah. where it's actually a thousand or more than a thousand for for yeah. certain industries, right? So yeah. so then April third is for those businesses, and then April tenth is for independent contractors, right? Yeah,
1: yep. Yeah. And so I mean, you also have to recognize that you can get up to ten million dollars in the payroll protection program depending on the size of your business. So I think that's that's really the tension that's starting to build is a mm-hmm. recognition that, and I've said this for a really long time, I don't know if a business with hundreds of employees is really a small business, and how can we, you know, recalibrate what a small business is, and then direct resources to them? Because, you know, I, I do think that there are small businesses who, you know, potentially are looking, you know, with let's just say like 49 or less employees, because that's a ten, that's a good definition given some ACA requirements. Like, they may need to access a quarter of a million or a half a million dollars worth of the loan, but for the most part excuse me, you're looking at much smaller amounts that are trying to keep going. Now, the one other challenge that we were talking about this morning on our call is, you know, at least on the East Coast, uh, Virginia and Maryland have shelter in place going through June now. And these programs are really about eight weeks of payroll. So we're now starting to exceed that eight weeks, even at, towards the end of April, because, you know, this has been three weeks, this is we're in the middle of our third week in Washington, DC. And so I think also, business owners are really concerned with like, how are we going to manage this if this extends past June? And these programs are really only meant to cover eight weeks of payroll.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk, I mean, we're right now we're talking about PPP right the payroll protection yeah. program, which is the largest of the three hundred and seventy seven billion dollars that is going towards small business of the two point yeah. two trillion the three hundred and fifty so the the vast majority mm-hmm. three hundred and fifty billion is part of this PPP right and yeah. can you tell, tell tell us a little bit about how it's structured and what how it's designed because it has a strong incentive right for um, protecting payroll which is what it's meant to do
1: yeah I mean, so, so again, you know, this is where there's well-intentioned work by our elected officials. So this is really meant to support a business that I think in my mind is in a is either in a less vulnerable place for a whole host of reasons. Either they have a small number of employees, their business, you know, maybe is not as impacted as other industries, or there was just much more of more accessible cash flow. So this is really to encourage businesses to retain their employees through this program. And and that is the whole go, goal of the paycheck protection program. That's the capital to cover the cost of retaining your employees to cover that payroll for eight weeks, and you know the bigger thing about this, which has been a huge spot for us, is the advocacy of the fact that like you cannot expect these people to take loans right now. They have no idea when their businesses are going to come back. They want to retain their employees. They're doing the best they can, and so there is a mechanism for uh, what we believe most of the loan, or most of the loan to be. Um, forgiven, and so that is trying to provide that security for those small businesses. And I and I think if I can be just blunt, because we got to because we're in a crisis, is I do think businesses that feel some level of confidence that you know, depending on how far our recession goes into a depression, that they can come back up a little bit more quickly than maybe some other industries mm-hmm. or other businesses. I think that this is a great program for them because. The hope is, is that at the end of the eight weeks, when our shelters in place conclude that their employees are back at work right away, you know, providing output. I think the challenges is for businesses that right now just are so uncertain about what the world's going to look like in eight weeks, mm-hmm. this becomes a lot more challenging. And so there are other programs that, that Congress has actually funded, including the emergency economic injury grant program, which is... It is is like truly a small infusion of cash. So if you need ten thousand dollars and this is probably for someone who has one or one and a half employees or has a business that you know work is continuing, but maybe you've lost some clients, but you feel some level of comfort in the fact that like you're going to be able to keep the work going, you can um, apply for that grant and that grant is completely uh, forgiven.
0: Got it. In terms of the the incentives and the way that PPP is set up for that, you know, for the loan essentially to become a grant, right? So you can apply for as much as two and a half uh, months of your average payroll, and that is a loan that if you can then show that you use that loan in order to continue paying people, that you would for at least two months and. I think 75% of what the average wages were that you were paying before the crisis, that that that, that loan is then forgiven. How does it work for independent contractors? Or do we not really know yet?
1: So actually, there are some pretty big Questions now that Treasury and the Small Business Administration announced the the materials yesterday as it relates to the Payroll Protection Program. A, how much of the loan can actually be forgiven? Mm -hmm. There does seem to be some discrepancies between the legislation and what Treasury announced. And I I do think, and I'm not joking, the million dollar question is how does an independent contractor apply for relief from the loan afterwards? Especially, you know, independent contractors have a lot of fluctuating income, and so you know, if you can say, all right, well, my income was $75,000 last year, I've applied for the program because I've lost all of my income. That might be easier than a self-employed individual or independent contractor. That's like, well, last year I made $75,000. I've lost $25,000, you know, how is that going to be treated given that they are having income coming in? So there, we actually just sent a letter uh, to the Department of Treasury and SBA asking for some clarification, because I I think the biggest concern and what we're hearing just in the short hours since the materials were released is that people are even now more hesitant to take this because they're scared. And to be frank, you know, the unemployment benefits are pretty substantial and I, I'm not I'm not being critical of that. And so I think a lot of independent contractors or self-employed are really thinking like, perhaps I just need to shutter my business and go to the unemployment route because this is just too complicated. And I don't want to be holding the bag of even a, $50,000 $50,000 loan at the end of this crisis.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Because the last thing you want to do is take on debt right now. And yeah. then, you know, you, you, you get the money and in, in a few months, like in the summer, when, when, you know, you, you go to get the, you have to reapply to have, have this forgiven. Right. So there's yeah. a process then of, of proving that you've maintained payroll, but you know, if you don't actually have payroll because you're right. paying yourself, then how do you, how do you, how do you do that?
1: Well, I mean, and it goes back to like the top of the conversation is I think that they're trying to do the right thing. And I'm saying they being uh, Congress and the departments, but I think that there's, again, that fundamental lack of understanding about how independent contractors or the self-employed work.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so they're trying to put like a square into a round circle. And I am concerned that because there's not clarity right now, that when you know, other people within the department start processing, you know, the applications for relief, you know, they're going to start making judgment calls that are different. And so it's it, it's super challenging. And guess what? At the end of the day, this this bill was passed on Friday, you know, to their credit, Treasury got something out yesterday before close of business. So that is pretty, that's pretty miraculous. Yes. Mm-hmm. I get it. There's a lot of uncertainty and I know that there's continued concern about, How this will, how the self employed and independent contractor community will benefit. But, you know, we've asked, we're asking questions, we're trying to get those answers. And I, you know, have to say, I I totally get people being not just freaked out, but just, you know, incredibly concerned about their economic future.
0: Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about the unemployment? You know, so obviously last week we had. Shocking unemployment numbers, uh, yeah. you know, sort of not just record-setting, but 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 record-setting yeah. in in a pretty conclu- conclusive way. Historically, the self-employed have not been um, eligible for unemployment. One of the other lovely advantages of, of 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 being self-employed, but that's changed now, right?
1: I mean, this is this is huge. And again, I know that there's so many people out there who want to keep their business going. You know, that want to figure their right, way. Like, here's the thing, like self-employed people are like by nature entrepreneurs. So they're like bootstrap people who are like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to like, you know, charge through, you know, those wins and figure it and, and get to a point. Here's the thing. is like, we're so there's the two, you know, but we're also fighting the tsunami that's coming at all of us. So one of the acknowledgements in this bill is that there are self-employed and independent contractors that, you know, are unfortunately not going to be able to outrun that tsunami. And so including them in, the unemployment benefits is like a huge, huge thing because here's the thing: the self-employed have always played in, paid into unemployment benefits. They just never been able to access it. And so, you know, there is a recognition that as you know, you you pay all your payroll taxes as both the employer and the employee. And so, for the federal government to recognize that they can and should be eligible, this is great. So I think that what is it? They're eligible for up to 39 weeks, and then through you'll get an extra $600 for the first 16 weeks. So that is a pretty, I, I think I want to use the word generous, but in a respectful way, I think that's a, it's a really great benefit for someone who, you know, again, just saw their business completely get wiped out from underneath them. And, you know, again, because I think the self-employed or entrepreneurial like eight weeks could provide them the time to get their feet back under, underneath them to put a plan in place to figure out when they could either restart that business or a new business. And so it is pretty, um, Exciting for them to be included. And I know again that it's a benefit that they've been paying into for as long as they've been self employed. And so, you know, as I see states are trying to figure out how to incorporate such this, this new large population of people, mm. I do encourage the self employed who may be needing to access this benefit to really get their documentation in order, you know, to familiar, familiarize themselves with their state's unemployment process because there are things you have to do to access the benefit. And to make sure that you're ready to go when your state launches their application so that you can start receiving those benefits.
0: Because the states will be launching unemployment applications differently for people who are in this category.
1: Yeah, I, I get I my understanding is that some states are going to try to do it all. I think some other states who maybe are a little bit more sophisticated as it relates to unemployment, and traditionally those are your states who have had a lot of disaster, like Texas, you know, the Gulf Coast, because unemployment tends to be a a tool that's used after disaster, may uh, be able to to widget it all together. But I do think some states are going to try to separate just for clarity and understanding. Mm -hmm. But I would just start being really cognizant about checking, you know, the the Department of Labor page or workforce pages, depending on who handles the program in your state to figure out what you need to do to prepare to apply.
0: Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'm sort of counseling people is also, as you know, to get ready for PPP that... You know, getting that documentation in order in terms of you know your previous years' tax returns and and, and any kind of like uh, partnership agreement. There's a lot yeah. of documentation that needs to be prepared before April 10th or yeah, April.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, I always kind of joke that I, I feel in some ways. Either you're a small business owner who's horrible at paperwork or you're a small business owner who's really good at paperwork. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think as a potentially way to distract yourself, is to really make sure that you are all those documents are together and that you do have a really good track record of what your payroll has been or what your income has been so that as you do look to apply to the programs that you're also not under or over requesting the funds that could support you. And then- you have to be diligent about the paperwork trail that you create uh, if you receive one of the, the payment protection loans or any other of the government programs that are being offered right now so that you can make sure you're protected and covered. So I think that's a really big piece. And I know that tax filing has been extended, but I think most people were somewhat in a position to, to file on time for April. And so I also would encourage people if they are ready to file to file, because I think that will also help from a paperwork perspective. You have like a definitive, like I filed my taxes, even if it's after the deadline, but within the month of April to do that. So I would encourage people not, if only you need to take the delay because of the impact of your business and things have changed dramatically, although you don't have to pay your quarterly tax filings, I would try to file as soon as possible
0: yeah i think that's good advice in terms of the economic the the idle loans so the economic injury disaster loans, just to clarify and, and even for me just to those yeah. are that is a program that has always existed right so if there is right. a hurricane or, or or something that that businesses can go and get these idle loans to get them through that that disaster that program has been enhanced now by these emergency economic injury grants, which are yeah if you apply for an idle loan that you then receive this and it's not a variable amount it is $10,000 that yeah. the small business can will uh, allegedly get within 3 days i've heard that that's maybe not happening quite the 3 day window is 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 not there yet but is there anything else about that that i'm missing or
1: yeah, I mean, the one thing that I would say for individuals to consider is between the paycheck protection program and the IDLE program is to really think about which one would suit you and your business best. I think that there's there is some thought, and again, I'm not an attorney or, or a lawyer, so of course you should always consult with your with your professionals on this. But there is some thought within the small business space, and, and primarily. The self-employed space that the idle uh, grant is actually the way to go over the payroll protection. And so I would just really make sure that you consult with someone who can provide you good advice. I know there's a lot of advice out there, but you know, hopefully you have a longstanding relationship with a well-versed accountant or actually your local lending. If you're you know, currently a, a a customer of a credit union or a small regional bank, I have always found them to be great partners to the the small business community, and so I definitely reach out and talk to them about what advice they're giving to their their banking clients.
0: So when we talk about two point two trillion dollars, right? We're like, oh, okay, that should cover it. You know, like I know it's bad, but we're, you know that that should be enough. But it seems like when you know, certainly looking at the three hundred and some odd. Billion dollars that we have relative to small business, and and by the way, in food and and hospitality, it's actually 500 businesses per location, right? So, so it's not even just small businesses plus all the independent contractors. What's next? I mean, it, it seems like obviously this is not you know particularly since now the promises have been made right this information yeah. is out there that that you can get these loans and they will convert to grants or if you apply for this disaster recovery loan that you that you can get um, cash up front what is what's being discussed now in terms of the next the, the next pieces of this
1: yeah, I, I mean, I think Speaker Pelosi actually put out some documents today talking about maybe some framing for what's next. You know, I think it's going to probably be at least a couple weeks for there to be an understanding. I think some of the things that are going to be most pressing to deal with is, is, the, is those domino issues. You know, how are people handling rent? How are people handling their mortgages? Given that the federal government is the largest backer of Mortgages, both a residential and commercial, I think that there's definitely an interest in them trying to figure out how to, you know, protect, allowing people to stay in place because, you know, we can't have a housing crisis again like we had so I think those are some areas in which Congress may look to act but also understand and I've said this to a lot of people you know, you're a small business owner that's renting from a small business owner. And so, you know, the unintended consequences of providing relief without necessarily recognizing the domino effect of it. You know, I think there's tons about food security that I think we can be doing as communities. And maybe this is where the states, state and local governments are really going to step in with, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, you're going to pay for Uh, the roof over your head, you know, the running water and your electricity, and what are you doing with food sources? So I think that's going to be huge. And then I think, you know, the government's really looking at, you know, infrastructure package, because I think there's a little bit of, okay, if we can see past this current crisis, and we can see past the fact that, like, you know, to some degree, our lives will return, what are we going to do to really jumpstart the economy? And, and And the one thing I I have tried to tell myself, so I'll tell it to you and people listening to this podcast is, you know, while there are a lot of, you know, similarities or comparisons to the Spanish flu influenza of 1933, I think what we need to recognize is we don't have a 1933 economy. We are in a, it's 2020. I think there are so many more tools and resources globally and uh, domestically that will be leveraged to either attempt to stop a, a full out, on depression or mitigate that depression and I still understand that people are going to lose a lot including their lives in this crisis but I do think that we are just because of where we live and how what year it is we're just going to be in a different place to try to throw the kitchen sink at everything mm. to mitigate the long-term economic impact of this crisis
0: we have a lot of resources available to us, including our creativity and our resilience. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've already seen that, that playing out. I
1: think the the self-employed community is actually, and it goes, you know, what I said earlier, like they're entrepreneurs, they're resilient. I don't want to underestimate. I, you know, I think we can all probably tear up every single day because it's challenging as you know, running a business myself, advocating for those people who are doing it every single day. I mean, if you're not putting your head down and, um, owning the nation, I, I think that can be challenging, but I do, maybe I'm a glasses half full girl, uh, but I do think that people recognize that we are in in the middle of some darkness, but when, when the time comes, I do think that um, there's just going to be lots of activity to figure out how to do this and get mm-hmm. us um, to a better situation because, mm-hmm. um, you know, no joke, jokes aside. I know we're all in this together, although six feet apart currently. But we will uh, we will come out of this, and we're gonna we're. I'm doing my. To make it um, not as easy, but as many barriers as possible for the self-employed and small business owners to get that relief they need, and a little bit of optimism so that hopefully carries them through their day.
0: One of the things that's giving me hope in Seattle is seeing how the community has really pulled together around. The businesses and around um around the small businesses that are that are such an important part of their community what what is giving you hope what is the silver lining that you see
1: yeah i mean it's a great question and it is a moment to acknowledge all the cool things um that i i think all the country are really trying to do and, and across the world and the recognition that um you know, you interact with every single day. And I, and I know that this is going to be funny, but I think like you go into a big box store and you recognize you're going to a big box store. And I think sometimes what happens is you go to a small business so many times in one day that you don't actually connect like, Oh, this is a small business. Like, Mm -hmm. and I have just seen in my community in Washington, DC, I live on Capitol Hill, uh, you know, stores, we have a great puzzle uh, labyrinth uh, game store and, you know, they unfortunately did have to um, cease operations, but I mean, they were online sales, email sales, like uh, delivery. Um, I've seen, I was just uh, walking yesterday and um, within uh, Eastern Market, area, many of the small businesses that are trying to accommodate the fluctuating um, uh, and still support customers. And then as you've probably seen in Seattle, I mean, this explosion of uh, pickup uh, food um, for people. And I, I know that that is um, you know, something of privilege, I have the money to still afford uh, to go to a restaurant and pick up food. But I do think it's the recognition of um, if I'm going to do delivery day a week, I'm going to go to my local um, restaurant and buy from them because I know that they're trying to keep their workers um, employed. And so I think that there's been a huge explosion. And I do think that in times like this, it's It's not the big gestures. Like we're, we don't have the hundred million dollar funds to start. We don't, you know, have the billions of dollars. But what we do have is we have heart, and we have that opportunity to either crowdsource our groceries. So as a neighborhood, people can spend a little bit less um, and go in on things together. We can support the elderly in our communities who are truly sheltered in place and running their errands for them. And you know, I think you can go and support a small business and. You know, there are a lot of GoFundMe accounts that have started, but I do think in, in the middle of darkness, like I um, could almost get emotional. I, I see way more light. I see way more people in my community who are trying to help one another than not. And so I think everyone who can do something nice, and I think that niceness is leaving a great comment on Yelp about the business, uh, on Facebook, if they, you know, contributing $5 to their employee funds. Um, there's just so much that can be done and it is, and you know, that $5 times a hundred really does amount to a lot of money. So I really encourage people to do that.
0: Yeah. There's this, there's a strengthening of our, of our communities around, around this. So yeah. um, this is great. And all the best with uh, all the great work you guys are doing. Yeah,
1: There is nothing a crisis to sometimes provide purpose in life. And uh, so lucky that I, I do have a, resources and means to continue my work and, and advocate for you and all the small business owners out there. So if you need anything, just reach out and let us know.
0: Awesome. Thank you. All right. It was nice to with you guys. Bye, Michael. Bye-bye. Well, I hope that helped. I know um, for me, I learned so much talking to Katie and I was so happy to get a chance to speak with her because she really brings a perspective from the room next door to the room where it's happening. And a lot of what Katie was talking about is really fresh off the presses just today. Um, these announcements are, are, are coming out day to day. And, uh, you know, things like this uh, inclusion of independence in uh, in, in unemployment and, and the idea that, uh, you know, people who have been paying into uh the unemployment system through payroll taxes for all these years and now can finally take advantage of it themselves. A couple of things to take away from this in terms of what you can do right now. If you have a business business that has employees and you want to take advantage of the Paycheck Protection Program um, through an SBA lender, that begins this Friday, April 3rd. If you're an independent contractor, that date will be April 10th, and you'll want to make sure um, that uh, you get some more clarity around how those loans will be forgiven for independent contractors because it sounds like that is still an open question. Um, If you are going to apply for one of the disaster relief loans the IDLE loans um, and the $10,000 grant that's going along with those you can do that now and I will be sure to put a link um, to that online application in the show notes definitely talk to your accountant your lawyer your banker or whoever is your trusted advisor who can give you advice on what is going to be the best plan for you and your business um, I think this information is really helpful to have, but it's definitely not uh, something that you should use in in lieu of some uh, trusted advice from someone who knows you. Um, Also, you're going to want to make sure to pull together all of your recent uh, tax returns and other information that shows that you are and have been a going business concern. Um, Finally, I thought it was great advice to file your taxes as soon as possible. Um, And uh, even though the deadline has been pushed to the summer, um, it's uh, going to help as, uh, as, as as all these packages come through um, again I hope that this was a helpful conversation um, we have a number more scheduled in, uh, in, in the next couple of weeks that are all going to be focused on things that you can actually do right now um, um, to get through this difficult time so in the meantime stay safe um, and, uh, and take care of yourself um, you know you are uh it's a, it's a it's a difficult time but uh, we all have to make that we're All right.